Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. This morning, last week we started this series on called Mercy through the book of Jonah. It's, it's, a, it's a small book with a, with a big impact. It's a minor prophet given a major task to be the first Jewish missionary to preach the gospel to a Gentile world. The story story begins with the call of Jonah to Nineveh to speak out against the wickedness, but instead of heading east, Jonah went west and became a prodigal prophet. In doing so, he resigned from his position as a prophet, so maybe you could call him a non-prophet. Come on, man, give, give me a little help this morning. All right. I shared with you uh, last week that this book is a short book made up of really four chapters. It's divided in two parts in scene one and, and scene two. And the first two chapters are make up scene one. And, and the characters in, in this book is really the, the Lord and the sailors and, and Jonah with a cameo appearance from a whale at the latter part of chapter one. The first two chapters of God's work is the great sea, and the last two chapters is the work at the great city. But we have to remember this, that the hero and the main character of the story is God. He's the main character of the story. And we will see God's mercy throughout the story. In fact, chapter one, when Jonah protests, we see God's patience. In chapter two, when we see Jonah pray, we see God's pardon. In chapter three, when we see Jonah preach, we see God's power. And then he closes chapter four. When we see Jonah power, we see God's pity. This morning, we're going to look at the perfect storm of mercy. Why? Because the Lord is not done with Jonah. And like Jonah, the Lord is not done with us. And he'll keep pursuing us. He'll keep coming after us. Let's read chapter one, verse four through 10. It says this, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you do? What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for who caused this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose causes this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from, and what is your country, and what people are you? And so he said to him, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, and who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning that, Father, your word would go forth like a farmer who cast out seed. We pray this morning that, Father, we would be receivers of the words, we be hearers of your word, Father, for we know that faith comes by hearing, hearing your word, and we want to grow in our faith. We want to be challenged in our faith. And so as we begin to cast out this seed of your word, Lord, I pray it falls on good soil. I pray it falls on a heart that's ready to receive what you have. But I also know that in this message, Lord, there's going to be some conviction. There's going to be some correction. There's going to be some conversion. Father, I know that because that's what your word does. 
And so I pray this morning, your blessings are the teaching of your words, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Guys, we're going to look at three things uh, this morning. Number one, a storm of mercy is God's response for disobedience. A storm of mercy is God's response for disobedience. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a great mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. There's a difference between justice and mercy. In fact, justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you, de not getting what you deserve. Some might see the storm that God sent as not being very merciful. Trust me this morning. We want God's mercy and not his justice. A young man had a, uh, one day went to get his picture taken, and upon looking at the very picture, he got very upset with the photographer. And he said, look, at, look, he said this, look at this picture. This picture does, does not do me justice. And the photographer said to him, mister, with a face like that, you don't need justice, you need mercy. <laughs> Listen, the picture that we are about to see regarding Jonah is not pretty. He doesn't need justice, he needs mercy. And that'll apply for our own life today. Sometimes our pictures haven't been too pretty, but we have God's mercy. Amen. We can hold on to God's mercy. And so as we look at the storm that comes in our disobedience, disobedience can bring our, our whirlwind of trouble. Disobedience can bring a whirlwind of trouble this morning. It says that the Lord sent out a great windstorm. The word sent means to be hurled out. God was bringing this perfect storm. He was hurling out this perfect storm. The fact the word sent or hurled is mentioned four times in chapter one. It means that he cast out or he threw out the, the wind. It's the same word used to describe Saul hurling a spear at David. It was cast out. And, and this storm was described as a, as a mighty tempest. That word tempest, the same word for whirlwind. It, it's the same word we get the word tornado or hurricane or typhoon. It was a heavy, big, strong storm that hit this ship. Why? Because God is using the supernatural to move the natural. We see him here, even God is the Lord of all creation as he's moving the elements for his purpose. So we see that the Lord is the instigator of this storm. The psalmist writes, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. I think God is doing is trying to get Jonah's attention. The Lord has a purpose for this storm. He has a reason for this storm. His prophet has, has run away. We know that storms in our lives have two purposes. They either develop or they discipline. That's what storms do in our lives. And he will not let Jonah sleep or have rest until he repents and obeys. So he's trying to wake him up from his sleep at this morning. He's stirring up this boat. He's stirring up these sailors to awaken Jonah. And God is using the tempest to draw Jonah to his call and his duty as a prophet. We often see Jesus calming the storms, but, but here he will provoke the storm. The Lord will provoke the storm. We often see Jesus use storms to build and to bring and to test our faith. 
So our storms that we face today have many purposes. One, to awaken us or to draw us near or to break us of our pride or our self-reliance. God will use things and difficulties and challenges in our lives to awaken us, to draw us to near him. But we know that when we run from God and we're disobedient to God, we put others in danger. Our own lives and the things we choose can bring consequences not only on ourselves but on other people. When we run away from the things of God and being obedient to the things of God. It says here that the, the ship was almost broken. And the, that the ship in some sense was the sailor's refuge. It was their workplace. It was their livelihood. It was their source of income. And everything was at risk to be destroyed. And their, even their lives could be lost because of the decision of Jonah. The psalmist gives us a picture of the event in a storm. It says in Psalm 107, 25 to 20, it says, he spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged against the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits end. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Disobedience will stir up storms in our lives. Disobedience will try to, uh, God will provide these storms to awaken us, to draw us, and that's what's happening here. Here's the second thing a storm of mercy will expose our own religious nature. Jonah chapter 1, 5, and 6, right? I remember um, years ago, my family and I went to vacation in Lake Tahoe. And the sailor that I am, not, um, we decided to rent a boat and to go onto the lake. I should have listened to the guy that rented the boat to do a pinpoint on your iPhone. That probably should have been my first clue, right? So me, my wife, my four kids, and my mother-in-law, who was about 70 years old at the time, decided to have a, a day trip on the, the lake. And so we go out. It was a beautiful day. Everything was beautiful. It was sunny. It was great. We went out on the tubing. We're having a great time. But then in the distance, we saw these gray clouds. And they started coming our way, and we're like, oh, snap, we better get back. And so we turned the boat around, and we started heading back to the shore, and the, the storm started coming in, and it actually caught up to us, and it started pouring, and it started raining, and it started like coming. And we were like, whoa. And so I'm driving to the shore, trying to head back to where we were, but because I didn't pinpoint where I was, I couldn't find the dock. And it was raining, and it was pouring. Guys, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. My poor mother-in-law, who's seven years old, was wearing shorts and t-shirts. You ever seen a Mexican turn blue? <laughs> Listen, we were freezing. We were shivering. And I'm driving, and, and I'm driving this boat. And guys, I was calling out to the Lord. I was like, are we, are we all be all right? God, are we going to be all right? <laughs> There's something about storms that awaken us to the reality of things. We finally did get back, and we finally did make it drenched and cold and you know you know but listen listen in storms people become real religious don't they they become real religious and that's what you're gonna see happen here with the sailors right Jonah doesn't even realize that he's already on a mission of evangelism but he's hiding in the bottom of a boat though he didn't want to go east God will still use us in the midst of our brokenness and our mess for his purpose in his kingdom. God will still do a work in us and through us, even when we're not even being obedient to him. He'll still use it because God will always turn that which is bad to good. Yeah. 
you're going to find Jonah already in a mission field with the pagan sayers, these religious people. And you'll have an encounter with people that are racially and religiously different from him. And in his rebellion, he dismisses them as people that God loves. You know what religion is? The word religion actually means to bind. Some people say, oh, you must be religious. <laughs> you must be spiritual. You ever heard that before? When you go to church, oh, you must be religious people. I don't want to be religious. In fact, the word religious means to do over and over again, right? Many people are religious. They have many religious faiths and many religious things. But if you're out there doing dope every day, you're just a religious dope smoker. You're religious, right? So, so religion is to do over and over again. But we're not here called to be religious people. But you're going to see here that the, the sailors, they're going to all of a sudden become religious. But religion is self-sufficiency. Look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and he laid down and was fast asleep. You know what every religion does? Every religion prays. Every religion prays, right? When in distress, make a request, right? When you get in trouble, you all of a sudden got a prayer life. You have a prayer ministry, right? <laughs> The sailors were fearful, and so they, and they were terrified, and so they, they cried out, right? It must have been, excuse my word, it must have been a hell of a storm because sailors are pretty tough guys. And they were so terrified means that they felt like their lives were in danger, so they turned to prayer. Fear is what drives us to our knees sometimes. Fear is what lays us out sometimes. But for some of us, prayer is like a, a spare tire. We only pull it out when we need it. That's how people see prayer sometimes. It says that they, they cried out to their own gods. They cried out to their own God, the passage say, right? It reminds me of a, a Vietnam veteran, veteran who was in the Vietnam War, and he's in a foxhole, and he had all these necklaces on, right? He had, he had the, a, a boot on there, the yin and the yang, the star of David, the cross, the rabbit foot. His, his buddy was looking at him, his bullets were flying over, and he's hanging in the foxhole, and he's doing it. And his buddy says, why do you have... All these necklaces on. They said, because a man in my position can't take any chances. Right? I think that's what's happening with the sailors here a little bit. They're crying out to their, their own God. We, in the story of Jonah, we see people with different faith practice. We see the mirrors with different belief systems. These sailors were from Joppa. Remember, Jonah went down from Galilee down to Joppa, which is where the Phoenicians were. And and they spoke different languages, and they were polytheistic in their nature. And here we see that as they become religious, crying out to their own God. Maybe the, the captain thought, well, whatever God is causing the storm, we got it covered between all the sailors. One of their gods has got to make it safe. One of their gods got to hear. Maybe they worshiped the God of Poseidon, and they were on a Poseidon adventure. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what was, was going on here this morning. We can get real prayerful in our storms. But what do you see in the story? Every religion tries to save itself and oneself. That's what it does, right? Right? They labored to save themselves. They were casting off the goods in the ship. They were throwing off all the things they had to ship. They were throwing it overboard. They were throwing the cargo. That's not, again, they said they threw it means to hurl it. They were trying to lighten the load. You know what religion says? Religion says this. God helps those who help themselves. That's what religion says. No, no, that's not God that we follow. 
God helps those who can't help themselves. You know, that's faith. That's faith. That's the God that we worship. Because we all fart short of the glory of God. But these men are trying to save themselves. They're trying to cast it, right? The thing about disobedience, and you feel the weight of disobedience, you just want to, to cast it off. You feel the weight on your heart. You feel the weight on your mind. You feel the weight on your soul. You feel the weight physically. Just read Psalm 32, how David felt when he sinned. It was heavy. His bones ached. He couldn't sleep. He was anxious. The, weight, the sailors were feeling the weight of the tempest. They, they didn't know what... They didn't know what they, they knew what only what to do was to throw things overboard. They only did what they were taught to do as sailors. And they're casting off all these supplies to save themselves. I find it very interesting when the rubber meets the road, how unattached we become to things in the midst of the storm. How willing they cast things off. They're not as important as they, they used to be. I know people try to lighten the load in their own lives and try to fix their own mess. And when one is far from God or separate from God, he, he feels the tempest of the soul. Solomon wrote this, God put eternity in the hearts of men. God put something in our hearts to be reconciled to him. There's an emptiness in our hearts that only God can feel. And what people do today is they try to, to, to work harder to make their, their lives better. Even in the church, they try harder to be more holy. <laughs> Trying to please God trying to be religious in their faith, trying to do good works, trying to be more righteous. We've already been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, right? We've already been made holy because he is holy. We've already been given the things we need for godliness already. It isn't try harder. That's not how we walk. That's religion. That's why people ride their bikes and go to door. That's why they knock and go to door. That's why they're trying to do all their good. Some people think if I just do enough good and I'll do my bad, then I'll probably get it in. That's religion. That's not how it works. We're saved by faith through grace. And it is a gift of God, not of our own that we should boast. And now we're created for good works, but faith precedes good works. Works don't precede faith. We have to remember that. You know what religion will do? Religion will put you to sleep. It'll put you in a spiritual stupor. In all the storm, it's rocking. There's a rocking going on in the ship. Where is Jonah? Jonah not only went go down the boat, he went to the deep part of the boat and was fast asleep. I don't know if the boat was rocking him to sleep. Moms, you rock your kids to sleep when they're tired and you rock them. The boat's rocking. Maybe that's what rocked Jonah to sleep. But it says that he was fast asleep, which means he was heavy sleep or even unconscious. In fact, Jonah was so asleep, he didn't even know that he was in danger. He was oblivious to the chaos around him. People are like that today. I remember when another vacation time, we were in an Airbnb in the middle, like, like 2 o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm went off. Like it was just flaring. Like it was like, you know, you're groggy, you wake up, and all my kids come running out except one, my daughter Marissa, who slept through the whole thing. She never heard it. I'm like, this thing's like burning in my ears. Like, whoa, what's this noise coming from? And she's like, crashed out. Yeah, she was dead, dead sleeping. You know what I mean? And you know, the world sometimes is dead to the reality of the craziness that's out there. 
See, disobedience can, can make our hearts hard for the needs of others. And we see Jonah was unconcerned by the needs of others. He had a blatant disregard for the needs of others. Let me tell you something. In a world and in the church, there can be sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. Paul writes this in Ephesians 5.14. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Jonah slept while the sailors needed him. Church, we can't be asleep in this hour, in this time of such a time as this. We cannot be asleep. And tonight we have an opportunity to minister to sleepwalkers. We have an opportunity to care for those in need. We have an opportunity to minister the gospel to our neighbors that they might awaken. And maybe those neighbors are going through some storms. Maybe those neighbors are feeling the pressure and the tempest and, and the things. And we as a church could come and lighten the load a little bit with the gospel. But let me tell you something. You know what religion, religion also is? It's powerless. Religion is powerless. Look at six. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know what religion is? Religion is a church without the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear that. Religion is the church without the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in the last days that they will act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. And what we find here in the story is the storm's going, they're crying out to their God, and the captain goes down to the bottom of the boat and he rebukes Jonah for sleeping and not praying. He tells him, arise, arise and pray again, right? Wasn't that the command at the beginning of the story? Arise and go. Jonah has a problem with arising and going. That's an issue in his life. Even the captain is coming to rebuke. A pagan is coming to rebuke a believer. An unbeliever is coming to rebuke a believer. And we see the rebuke of the prophet here. What an embarrassing moment for this prophet. That the pagan is pointing Jonah to his own God. There is a standard that the world looks to as the, to the church as. Though men look at the outward, God looks at the inward. I get that, but there's still a witness that we're called to bear. There's still a testimony we're called to live. And even the world will say, well, I, aren't you a Christian? What, what they're saying in that statement is, I know you have a higher standard. They're expecting that higher standard. They're expecting that walk of God. That's why they say terms and things like that. If Jonah would have been obeying the Lord, he would have never been rebuked. And he would have been about the father's business and a mission in Nineveh to rebuke the wickedness of the Ninevites. You ever been rebuked by an unbelieving friend? I thought you were a Christian, right? <laughs> I remember when I was driving to Arizona with my family, another vacation, and people know how I drive. I confess that. The Bible says if you confess your sins one another, healing will take place. <laughs> Listen, I'm driving, and we're going down the eight. We're heading into Arizona, and I'm going pretty fast. And I get pulled over by a police officer. And he says, you realize you are speeding, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, you know, as a pastor, you feel like, oh, snap, I broke the law, right? And so we're talking. He's right, and he goes, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, snap. I'm a teacher. <laughs> really? 
Then the, 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 I think I got out of, well, where do you teach at? <laughs> I'm a pastor. Please forgive me. <laughs> you know, we, we, we begin here to get rebuked in the things that we do. This is the beginning of the rebuke of the captain is really the beginning of the restoration of Jonah's call. How merciful is that? That God is going to use this captain to start bringing Jonah around. But we know the reason why the captain came down and found Jonah said, arise because their prayers were not working. Their prayers were not working. Maybe if you pray, maybe the, God will heal your prayers. Maybe God will consider our circumstances through your prayers. What the captain was asking is that he knew that he needed a supernatural intervention to be rescued from danger. The world needs a supernatural intervention to be rescued from danger, right? And we know the storms of our lives can only be quieted by the power of Jesus. There was another storm in the New Testament. We know that storm, guys. Jesus is with his disciples. He went down and laid his head in, in the boat, right? He was also sleeping, and a storm comes in, and the disciples do the same thing that the sailors do. They go wake up Jesus, and, and they said, Lord, save us. We are perishing. We're going to die. And Jesus got up and calmed the storms and said to us, oh, you have little faith. You know what calms us in the storm? Our faith is the anchors in the storm. Jesus was peaceful, not because he was running. He was peaceful because God the Father had him. He wasn't like Jonah. Jonah might have been sleeping because he's running away. He's depressed or has anxiety or whatever he's facing. And sometimes when we do that, we feel sleepy. We don't have life. We lose life. Disobedience sucks life out of us. Jesus is considerate of us in our time of need. We just need to call upon him. He is there. But I want you to see this in a story. I'm going to take a little different angle on this story. As the storm's brewing, they're calling out to their gods. Jonah gets rebuked. Religious people can have common ground. What do I mean by that? We are saved by grace. But there's such, such a thing called common grace, right? Jonah and the sailors are in the same boat, experiencing the same storms, and they still want the same thing as not to, to perish. If you look at uh, the Old Testament and the book of Jeremiah and the Israelites get taken to captivity in Babylon, God challenges the believers there, the Jewish people, to look at the prosperity of the city. Even in your captivity, build your house, live out your faith, do the things, in, and build the prosperity of the city. Guys, we are saved by grace, but we have common grace, meaning what? Guys, you're here this morning and you're breathing. God is giving breath in your lungs. He's giving breath in your lungs for the believer and the unbeliever. He reigns on the just and the unjust. There is, there is common grace by God that God pours on us, right? Let me tell you, our communities right now are rocked by storms. There's crime, there's violence, we have educational needs, economic needs, housing needs, and the list could go on and on. We live in the same neighborhoods and our, commitment and our communities are, are threatened. I want you to know something about me. I don't just pastor a church. I pastor a community. 
This week, I got a call from a friend of mine who um, said, hey, Pete, the county's called me because they want the church's help. Would you join me in a meeting at the beginning of the year because there's a big high need of homeless kids in our communities that need housing? And I know you have Hope House. For those who don't know, we have a homeless long-term house here for homeless kids that live here on our property. Could you come and, and speak in and be a part of that meeting? Because I want you to see something with that call. The church is essential. The church is essential. And the church brings the resource for the suffering. We are God's people in the same, there's a common good, and we serve the common good so they can hear the good news. So there is a common grace that takes place when we work outside the church's door. So we're not, we can't be like Jonah hiding in our churches, but we need to be out among the people that they might see the light in the darkness. And that's what we need to do as a church. That's why we do our outreach. That's why we're doing this. I, I know people say, well, you know, it's Halloween night. Guys, we're not selling the dead. We're not celebrating the dead. It's the living, living among the dead so the dead can arise. That there are a lot of Lazarus that are dead right now coming tonight that need to be resurrected by the spirits. That's the role of the church to proclaim this gospel of light. So in order to, to be the light, we got to go be in the midst of the darkness to be the light. And so when people say, well, you know, it's, you're, you're worshiping the devil. No, man, I'm not worshiping the dead. I'm worshiping God who's a living God in the midst of the dead. And so we need to begin to be proclaimers of this gospel. And so we see that here, the common good. But lastly, as I close this morning, a storm of mercy will be used for confession. In 1-7, right? I'm sure God was grieved by Jonah's rebellion. Paul wrote, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our sin grieves God. The word grieves means to cause pain. God actually feels the pain of our mess. He actually feels the pain of our, our sin. But God is patient, ain't he? Because patience, love is patient. We're seeing the patience of God throughout the, the story. And the Lord is beginning to do a renewal work in the life of Jonah. Day by day, he's renewing Jonah. Rather, I don't care how far off you are, how far you've gone, God's still doing a work in you. You're here this morning. So God's doing a work in you. And I trust that God's doing that work. You know, my wife and I, we take our dog out on a walk. Usually every day we take him on a walk. We have him on a leash when we walk him, right? And the leash is for his protection, He's the one who likes, he's the dog, this, my dog likes to run and chase cars and, 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 and chase bikes. And so it's, we, we could hold him back with the leash he doesn't do that. It's also, it's, his leash is there for giving direction. So when he heads the wrong way, I just got to yank a little bit to go this way or yank a little bit to go that way. Because the leash is like the rod of correction. It keeps the dog on the right track. That's what the, the, the leash does. We have been tracking Jonah's perfect storm of mercy, and the purpose of the storm is for correction. And whether Jonah realized it or not, he's on a short leash. God in his mercy will reveal his rebellion and disobedience in a moment. But God still got him. God still got him. See, the storm, this is what the storm will do. Your sin will be exposed in the storm. Look at seven. 
And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. What was the reason why they would want to cast? They sent something was wrong. What is the reason why they want to, something's wrong here. Something's not right. We're calling out to God. Nothing happened. The storm's still here. The tempest is going. The sea is still brewing. Something's not right here. The casting lots was, a, it was an ancient practice, right? It's like the rolling of dice. It's like the picking of sticks, right? They, they might have begun to pick the stick and the short stick fell on Jonah. <laughs> he, got, he gets revealed for his mess, right? Jonah got the short end of the stick is probably what happened here. He's the culprit of the storm. He's some ways, he's the criminal of the storm. We see that. And he was hiding, but his sin was uncovered, right? Let me tell you something. You can't hide from God. You can hide from him, but you can't hide from God. And God will, God will disclose your sin. Your sin will be disclosed, right? Jonah's sin put the sailors at risk. I think of the story of Achan for those who studied the scriptures in, in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua chapter 6. You remember the story that the, the Israelites had just crossed over the promised land. They had given victory over Jericho. The walls have come down. But one of the commandments of that was what? Don't take the silver. Don't take the gold for yourself. That's for the Lord. And you're supposed to give everything to the Lord. But Achan, what did he do? He was covetousness. And he took some of the goods and he took it to his tent and he he buried it underneath his tents. So when the next battle came and they were to go to Ai, right? Joshua was like, man, that's just a small city, man. We don't have to send a whole bunch of troops. Let's just send a couple thousand men out there. And we're going to go to battle. We'll, we'll take captive those people. They send those men for battle. And guess what? They get defeated. They get some 36 men get killed. And they come back like, whoa, what happened, man? What's going on here? And basically, the Lord says, Joshua, they're sending the camp. Call, your, call an assembly, call these things, or we're going to call out. And in the story, if you read it, Achan gets exposed to the fact that he had taken the silver and the gold and all the stuff that he took out of Jericho and hid it, and they brought it to the leaders, and God killed them and his family that very day. They were burned and stoned and burned to death, the scripture says. Their sin was exposed. Their sin was exposed, and we, we see that here. Numbers 32, 23 says, take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. You, know, you might think, oh, I just got away with it. But God says, no, you don't. That's, yeah, I'm giving you some grace right now, but I'm going to try to deal with you. But you'll get caught. You'll get caught, right? For those who play sports, who gets caught in the fighting? The second man, Right? Second man always gets caught and stuff. But what is the problem here? What's the sin root of the problem? What's the sin root of our, what's, what's the root of our own sin? Look at eight. Then they said to him, please tell us for who causes this that troubles us. Why are we in this situation? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And what people are you? He's trying to get, the captains and the sailors are trying to get to the root of the problem. We know that roots bring stability to trees. Roots bring nourishment to trees. But there could be a positive and negative aspect to roots, right? You think about the scripture says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Money's not evil, but the root of it, the, the covetousness, that's the root of the sin of the love of money. 
the lot fell on Jonah to reveal his sin and the root of his sin. What, you know what the root of his sin is? He lost his identity and his purpose. He lost his identity and his purpose and his call. He, he severed the relationship, the fellowship with the God that he worshiped. He ran away from the call as a prophet. And then the sailors asked four probing questions, trying to get to the root of the problem, right? And all of them, has to be, all of them have to do with identity questions. Right here is this. Why is the storm upon us? Like, what is, why is this happening to us? What, what do you do for a living? What's your purpose, profession? What's your mission? Why are you here? Where do you live? What's your place? Where are you from? You ever heard that for it? Where you from? What is your heritage? Who are your people? What's your ethnicity? Why these questions? Remember, these Phoenicians were polytheistic in their thinking, right? What region reveals what they believe and how they worship God? Think about how you grew up. How, how did you grow up? The neighborhood you grew up, the family you grew up, right? The culture that played a role in, that played a role in your own identity. All of these things had influence on how you see things. But remember, now in Christ, he set up a new identity. We have a new identity in Christ. We're in a new family in Christ. And the only way to overcome the root of sin is to confess it. Sin is overcome by confession as we close 9 and 10. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord of God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Jonah revealed his identity. I am a Hebrew. He gave him a list of questions and he answers the last question first. I am a Hebrew. He put his identity before his mission. Be careful, guys. Some identify with their faith. We have to be careful we identify with our faith, not just with our race. Our race is important, but we identify with our faith. I remember um, growing up, I didn't grow up in the church, but if I had a back faith background, I would have been Catholic. Because culturally, Catholics are, Hispanics are Catholic, culturally. So if I were to say, oh, you know, you, you, when you take your census, you may not even go to church, you may not even do that, but if they say, hey, you know, what's your religious belief? You're going to usually associate your religious belief with, with really your culture. Oh, I'm Catholic because I'm Hispanic. That's how people will see things sometimes. And they're trying to understand his, his Hebrew background. They understood that the Hebrews had a way of worshiping. They would have probably been familiar with the Hebrew stories. But he's revealing his faith here. What does he say? I fear God. Very interesting phrase he uses. I fear God. We know that fear is the beginning of wisdom. But I don't think he had too much wisdom when he's running from God. He must not have feared him that much. And then he reveals who God is. The one who made the sea and the land. I think that shook them, the sailors. Whoa. I think they, 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 we see that they were terrified. Once they heard that, yeah, I know you're a Hebrew. I know you fear God, but oh, your God is over the sea and the land? I think they took a big breath at this moment. I did, whoa. Let me tell you something. Our confession of sin will break the strongholds in life. I shared if you confess your sins one another, healing would take place. God is slowly working on Jonah. 
And what was the response of the sailors to the truth that they had heard? And I think God is slowly working on the sailors. As you continue the story, we'll continue next week that they come to faith in God, right? There's a new revelation about God that prompted their fear. And the cause of storms was that Jonah's God, the cause of storm was because of Jonah's God and because he was running away from God. Part two is coming tomorrow, next week. We're going to do part. Sorry, CBU, but part two is next week as we, we finish the story here on this part. But so I'm going to close with these four questions for you if you're taking notes. I want you to turn these questions into action steps, but I want to ask these questions. Number one, what is God using right now to get your attention? What is God using right now to get your attention? What storm is he bringing? What thing is he trying to draw you to him? It was Jonah's storm, the storm Jonah was facing. Number two, what religious traditions have you got, has gotten in the way of faith? What are some things we, we, we kind of default to religiously instead of by faith in our lives? What sin do you need to confess to be free from? What are the things you're bad in, those secret things? Healing doesn't come in isolations. Healing comes in community. Lastly, what new insight have you seen regarding mercy? What have you learned about regarding mercy today? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and grace, Lord. And Father, as we're journeying through the book of Jonah, Father, we're asking this morning that you stir our own hearts. Father, what storms you put in us is to draw us near to you. But the promise of the word says, if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. Father, we give permission to do whatever you want to do so we can draw near to you. And if that means bringing a storm or whatever needs to come for us to draw near to you, Lord, then Father, we yield ourselves to you that we'd be close to you that we would trust you in all things. And so I thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. I pray that it's fall on good soil. And so I pray your blessings upon your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.